0: Love Talk Radio. The Allen Elford Sports Talk
1: Show. The Allen Elford Sports Talk Show. Your host is here for the show tonight to interview our special guest Oh, ho,
2: everybody, and welcome to another great episode of the Alan Alford Sports Talk Show. Really appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you so much for being with us, and definitely we're going to have a fantastic Friday night show for you tonight. I want to thank our fantastic sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. So definitely check out a four-pack of Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Definitely do that at FL com again it's flbbqsauce.com you can't go wrong with any one of those four flavors and in fact we're going to play chef g's florida barbecue sauce song a bit later but tonight you're in for a special treat everybody we have a fantastic guest with us his name is david himes he's going to share some fantastic stories of his experience with the university of miami so we're going to bring david right on hey how you doing so far tonight
3: Hey, Alan. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me.
2: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for being our special guest and joining us on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. So glad to hear from you and definitely hoping that everything is going well for you. I understand you're traveling there in Atlanta.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little little rainy up here, but um, always good to hear from you. And uh, thanks for having me as a guest on your show.
2: Oh, you're very welcome. That's awesome that you're joining us. And You know, you did a lot of great work for the University of Miami as definitely as one of the bar managers. So first and foremost, how did you get connected with the University of Miami?
3: So I got accepted to the University of Miami right out of high school. I went to high school down in Tampa. Um, So right out of high school, I went down there. I started a work-study program. And then within a couple of weeks of a work-study at a restaurant there, uh, I wound up getting hired by the uh, the catering company that ran uh, that ran the university food program called chartwells so i uh, wound up starting as a bar back and then within my second year I became the the bar manager for the university so I did all their big events their private events um, when they opened the basketball stadium, I was the lead on Um, getting everything going there, you know, and, and starting all their parties and helping them set up for concerts and doing all those kinds of cool events for them. Wow. That
2: must've been a lot of fun. And, and definitely, that would sound like it was a lot of great things that happened. So tell us some of the experiences that have happened while you working with the university of Miami.
3: You know, like I was telling you uh, in the pre-interview, like I went there from 2000 to 2004. So Anybody that knows Miami football and, you know, it, it's getting closer to college football time, so I'm getting I'm getting ready for another college football season. And 2000, 2004 was like the glory days of the University of Miami prior or, or well, the 80s and then they had this time, but um, you know, most people will say that the 2001 Hurricanes team is probably one of the best college football teams ever put on a field at one time. So, you know, I was just lucky enough to be able to do a lot of their events, work with a lot of the the coaches, the team, you know, help um, set up for the after parties for, you know, um, you know, sponsor events and set up for the, the new recruits coming in, doing their breakfasts and stuff like that.
2: Man, that must have been like a dream come true and getting connected with the school at the right time. What did you think about yourself? the fact that you joined them right at their glory days.
3: Well, you know, you know, when you're in the moment, you don't realize it, that it's a glory time. You know, you kind of think of like, oh, this is just, just how it is. And then, you know, at, a couple of years after I, I left and you you see a lot of the, the personnel changing, you know, the the president had changed, uh, you know, the AD had left, the coaches had changed a couple of times. So then you start seeing all the people that you knew, like leaving. So it's, it it changes after a while. Um but I was just the at that was the point when I started realizing like wow I was actually there like during the like the epicenter of a college football, you know, phenomenon.
2: Yeah, that definitely was. I mean, you're right, and everybody was talking about the University of Miami that time and and in fact they won the two thousand one <laughs> national title. That was something special. Just to, to be around people, you know, the players, the coaches, the staff, and then w- winning a championship, how did you get a chance? To, how was your experience seeing that?
3: So, and that's interesting, you know, and I tell a lot of people this, like we won one national championship. We really should have won three because in 2000, they had us play the Sugar Bowl against the Gators. And I don't even remember the score, but it was a wipeout of like 54 to 16 or something like that. And then a- pretty much anybody that follows college football will tell you the 2002 national championship game against Ohio state was a, a rip off. I-, I still to this day have not seen tape of that game. And I refuse to just because of the-, the horrible calls I was listening to on the radio. Cause I was traveling overseas and I was like, "Oh, this is so bad. But, um, after winning the championship, I was, I was lucky enough to be on campus during that time, which is an odd time because it's, um, you know, th- those games are played while most students are not there, but being a worker um, for the university, I-, I was able to be there and share that experience with, like, the staff and, the, you know, the-, the actual, like, the athletes are there. You know, they come back and celebrate, and uh, it was it was a really, really, really uh, interesting time, and I I was lucky enough to be in the dorms with some of the guys. Like, uh, they lived... A lot of the football players lived in the floor above me in the Mahoney dorms and I was you know, I friends with cheerleaders and all that kind of stuff. So it was a really, really interesting time.
2: Yeah, it sounded like it was a lot of fun there and and you got a chance to not only mingle with a lot of the players, you also got a chance to hang out with people that a lot of people don't get a chance to meet and that was Kevin Everett. How how was that experience <laughs> with meeting Kevin?
3: Oh, dude. Kevin Everett and I, so we had the same minor. Both him and I minored in sports management. We took a lot of the same classes. And and, and during um the sports management class, we got to go visit a lot of places together, too. So we would go visit, like, the uh, Miami Heat executive offices, the Dolphins training facilities. We even got to go visit the, like, uh, I forget what they call it, like the board of executives for the city of Miami when they're putting together, like, a Super Bowl. Uh, packet, which if you've never seen a city put together a packet for what it takes to bring a Super Bowl there, it is ridiculous. The amount of paperwork and, like, organization based on, like, hotels, travel, food, transportation, very large project just to put together, um, you know, a proposal to bring a Super Bowl to your city. He was – him and I, we we went all those places together just a super, super – Chill guy, really nice. I was so happy when he was able to get uh, drafted to the Bills. And then um, I don't know if everybody knows what happened to him, but he uh, on special teams wound up, you know, having an accident and got his neck injured. Um, but he was just one of the nicest guys I, I've ever run across, um, you know, during my time there, just super personable. You wouldn't have even know when he was, you know, a superstar athlete by talking to him.
2: Wow, that's amazing because, you know, nowadays, you know, when people get success, especially at a young age, they really let it go to, to their head. And talk about his humbleness being that he was being on a winning team and doing so great and still was one of the nice guys you could ever meet. Yeah,
3: yeah. And, and another guy I could say the same thing about I had a couple of run-ins with was uh, Jarrett Payton, who is Walter Payton's son, Sweetness's son. Uh Um, and, you know, and he came from a legacy background. He didn't, you know, he wasn't on the field much with the team and things like that, but man, he was just the, like the mayor of the campus. like everybody knew him. He, he just said hi to everybody. He was just very down to earth. Um, I just remember riding the shuttle with him. We had to ride the shuttle a couple of times. The funny thing about Miami, the, the shuttle that takes you to the different buildings called the hurricane gang, but hurry, you know? (laughs) <laughs> but uh he, we we'd have to catch it like every like Tuesday or Thursday at the same time he was just always so nice always talking to somebody um just a very nice man uh you know he was a couple years ahead of me um but I know he does a lot of like the tr- charity work down in his dad's name and uh he was just one of the, those guys that was just just really just nice to be around you know
2: yeah he definitely sounded like a, a real legend on campus there and it was really fun times, and and most people, most players don't get a chance to actually go ahead and take out on the date a cheerleader, but you've been so lucky enough to do that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, so I I I, I actually went to school. It was funny because I went to Miami from New York. Even though I graduated from, from Tampa, I spent some time in high school in New York, and I had some friends from my New York high school in Miami. And one of them happened to be friends with a cheerleader, and I got to know her a little bit. And uh, her and I started to, to to date, and she introduced me to a friend of hers from high school. And her friend from high school happened to be a football player. And I was like, dude, that's Clinton Portis. And she's like, yeah, you know Clinton? And I'm like, yeah, everybody knows Clinton Portis. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah. Here. And Clinton Portis, actually, he went to like – I think it was uh, – I forget the high school. like, But they were the Hurricanes in high school also. And uh wow. I was like, Oh my god, I was like he's supposed to be and this is this is like freshman year. So like Clint Forrest wasn't really like a big name or anything like that. I was like, he's supposed to be the next big thing <laughs> and sure enough, you know, now he's he's on his way to the Hall of Fame pretty much. Wow. But That's he was a, a he was world. he was quiet. Very you know, very nice, nice man, but just, you know, didn't didn't say too much.
2: Yeah, you know, that's that's right. I, that's the impression I get from a lot of people that he doesn't really say too much unless, of course, he knows you well.
3: Right, yeah. And even even the young lady, like, she was the cheerleader on his high school football team, and, you know, they knew each other, but he was just like, hey, what's up? All right, see you later. Yeah, like, I mean, that's that about all you got to do. But, man, it, it was – but, you know, you never always smile and always had a good demeanor about him, you know, never anybody that you – you you think anything th- he didn't even really at the time he was smaller he didn't really look like a football player
2: <laughs> wow and yeah so definitely you never know who you're going to come across it just it's just amazing wow. that in life that you can meet someone and then you know you just a couple of turns away from meeting somebody really big you just never know
3: right right I remember too like my one of my one of my bigger things like I always I used to, like I was telling you, did like the breakfast for the incoming freshmen. And, uh, you know, one year there was just this one freshman. He just, he, he looked like the incredible Hulk, man. Like he was just big guy, long hair. I don't know where he came from or anything like that. And, um, I mean, he, he took up like two seats at the breakfast table. He was just a massive man and he must've been 18, maybe 19 years old at the time. And, uh, I remember going like man, that's such a, such a big dude and at this time I was uh almost a senior. So I was I was getting ready to leave and uh he started out as a he was I think a defensive tackle and then later on he transitioned to a tight end and that guy turned out to be Greg Olson. And and Greg Olson was, you know, just a huge human being. <laughs> wow. Wow.
2: So you got a chance to meet some some Future NFL stars there. So it sounds like that's fantastic.
3: Yeah, yeah was definitely. Anybody else definitely. you got a chance to meet my, One of my favorite encounters of all time is um, – so I, I told you I lived in the dorm in the, in the floor above me in the Mahoney dorms with a lot of the football players at the time. And um, Bryant McKinney, they call him Mount McKinney. And I don't think he even reached his maximum size at the time when he lived in the dorms but he would always have to come downstairs you know and get out the the dorm sized doors were not built for a person of this size and i just remember him having to like bend halfway down and turn sideways to get out, and every time just chuckling about, it. <laughs> like he thought it was funny, and like it was hard not to, like you don't want to like stare at somebody like that because you know it's like, but he'd be like, man, they gotta make this place bigger.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but he's he's gonna be a hall of famer one day too if he's not already. That he was he was a just a massive man.
2: Wow, so it sounded like it was definitely a, a dream time. Was would you say yeah. looking back? it was the best time of your life?
3: You know what? I, I I would. That, you know, we we had talked about that 2001 team. And that, that 2001 team, like, when, when you're watching it happen, when you're watching greatness like that, you just don't realize it. Like, you know, may, maybe if I was an older person at the time, I would have, like, been like, wait, this is something historic that I'm, you know, witnessing, like, an undefeated season, you know, you go – right to the championship game, kind of, we basically just destroyed Nebraska um, in that game. But how many people go to college and can say, oh, my school won the national championship in football. And not only that, Alan, that, that same year they won the national championship in baseball. Whew. Wow. <laughs> Total domination. <laughs> and, there. They, and, and, and Ryan Braun was there that at that time as well. Brian Brown, it turned out to be a pretty good baseball player.
2: Yeah. So you had talent all the way around. That's, that's amazing. and
3: Right. And you don't, but like, you know, when you're around it at the time, you don't see it. Like you're a young man or a young woman. You're just kind of like immersed in it. It's not, you know, it's, it's now like now talking to you. And like, when we had, you know, our conversations, it's like, wait a second, that was actually a pretty cool time. Like people may want to, you know, know some more about that, you know, like, I, I read a stat on that that two thousand one hurricane team that said if they never scored an offensive touchdown, they still would have been eight and four. Wow.
2: Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that's a that's a total domination. It's just amazing. Yeah.
3: It just you I mean know. they had uh they had seventeen first round picks in that in that team. Oof.
2: So needless to say, it sounded like you would recommend a friend <laughs> or a family member if they was thinking about going to University of Miami, you would sound like you would recommend them for sure.
3: Listen, the University of Miami, I, I can't recommend enough for anybody interested in like, you know, they 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 have been an up and coming basketball school. People have probably seen them, you know, both the basketball teams just recently went to um the final fours, you know, they they're always trying to do a little bit more. The football program's a little bit lax, but there's always South Florida's just got so much talent there. Once they get back to just like feeding off that talent and you know recruiting from the hometown, um, I, th- I think they'll they'll get back to where they where they where they should be. You know, back in the at least the top of Florida, maybe not the the top of the country right away, but we could still you know kick some gator and seminal tail
2: yes you're right so it may not be like (laughs) it was in (laughs) in 2001 (laughs) or that time but definitely you're right could be a lot more competitive and do better
3: exactly yeah at least have us in the conversation you know that's 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 my big thing i want to be able to like you know, it's been the past couple of years. You can watch two quarters of a Miami game, and then it's like, oh, what's going on? What happened? You know, they're changing up the quarterback. They're trying this. They're trying that. And it's like, this is not hurricane football. You know, give me, you know, I don't know if you know Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey was the quarterback of the team when I went to school. He's now Josh Allen's uh, QB coach in Buffalo. And uh, it, I never saw any other QB. Like, that That was that was my QB for four years. Like, that that dude ran the team. I didn't even know if we had another cornerback. That's all I needed to see was Ken Dorsey. He was in there. He was throwing dimes. We had it good.
2: Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's
2: great. So, yeah, I'm surrounded by a lot of people that know the University of Miami. So now you brought some light as to how cool it was. It seemed like if anybody didn't go during that time, they really missed out.
3: No. And then, you know, and then, like not only that, it's like you also get to see these people out. Like the the, the culture down in Miami is just very cool you know, my, Miami is actually located in Coral Gables, which is a very small community, but then as soon as you get out of there, they got the, the rail. You know, I was there during the Orange Bowl days, which is a long time ago, so the the game culture of the students going to the game was a lot more like familial, to where it's like we all woke up, we all got on the on the rail, we went to the games together. Now it's out where the Dolphins play, it's a little further away. I don't know how the transportation works, but you know, there's still, still a lot of things for people to do down there, where opposed to like, I don't know if you've ever been to Gainesville. For me, there was, you know, just a lot of bars and stuff. It's not, you know, it's not like a real cultural epicenter.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a different, different culture. That's for sure. You got that right. But yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you shared such a fantastic story i know you're traveling so we don't want to take up too much of your time and awesome and and we definitely pray that you have a safe travels back to florida how long are you gonna be in atlanta we
3: will be here for about uh three or four days or visiting some family up here um you know trying to keep our, our our family intact so um but always good to hear from you and catching up with you man i, I always like talking sports with you so
2: Oh, same here. So definitely anytime you're always welcome on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. Really appreciate you joining us. That's David Himes, University of Miami. He told us a little great, great story there. We appreciate having you.
3: All right, let's go you. Thanks, Allen. You go.
2: you're welcome anytime, my friend. My pleasure, my friend.
4: Later, bro. Bye.
2: Take it easy. Thank you so much. Yeah, so that was a great great guest special guest david Hines from university of miami so definitely want to keep up with him and have him back on now we know how great things were at the university of miami i could tell all the friends that i have hey you know you need to go to university of miami and now i can understand why people love it so much so that's fantastic and we got just finished hearing from great david himes and we got another great caller calling in his name is lou how you doing so far tonight lou all right, Alan, thanks. You're welcome. Sorry about your wait there. How you been? All
4: right. Yeah, I knew you had a guest coming on, so I just I, I just wait.
2: Yeah. Hey, thank you for your patience. Really appreciate you. And a lot going on in in the world of sports, yeah. and and I wanted to get your thoughts on the NFL running backs. You know, nobody nobody got a long term deal. Josh yeah. Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard. What are your thoughts on? None of the top running backs securing a long-term deal.
4: I say, what is your problem? Why won't you sign the deal? I mean, Power has, has, I think, um, I think we're the first out of three of them to, to get the deal. Uh, Barkley, I think, went to see out the season. You know, it's like, what? Why can't you sign a long-term deal? What are you waiting for? They're not going to give you two hundred gazillion dollars, okay? So forget that right off the bat. You know, take the deal, what it is, and just get it over with. You know your team is counting on you, your fans are counting on you, but you want to play, you want play stupid, and uh, you know have your team suffer.
2: Yeah, you, you know it. Deal. I agree with you. A lot of times, guys, they let their pride get in the way of making a great business decision, and you find out after the fact that you get hurt really bad if you don't take the kind of like the deal while it's on the table. And your exactly. thoughts, Lou, you think it's going to end badly?
4: I think for for uh, Barkley, yes. Because if he does have the season, it's going to hurt the Giants a lot. You can't rely on Danny Dines by himself.
2: Yeah. So you, your, your thoughts is that he's not going to sign, not going to show up, and it's not going to end well for Saquon. How about the Giants?
4: Well, yeah, without Saquon, the Giants are going to be in the tank this
2: season. Sorry. Yeah, I do agree on that too. I, I definitely think that they might be able to get a serviceable back. Somebody who's pretty decent, but I don't think they're going to have a Saquon Barkley, at least not in the first year. I, that's, you know, it takes. Oh,
4: be worse,
2: yeah. It's going to be a different, different ball game. That's for sure. And, but yeah, a lot lot going on in the sports world and I saw that Roy McIlroy, he won his he won a tournament.
4: Yeah, but not a major.
2: No, I know. It's not a major the but continues. he continues. Yeah, the draw continues on a major. It's just, you know, for whatever reason for him and he plays some phenomenal golf. It's just that when it comes to the majors, yeah. he just I don't know if it's a pressure, and you know sometimes people that happen. Some great, great athletes that during a big, big show they just they're not at their best. So hopefully we'll get things. i have got to
4: put it this way, Alan. i have got to put it this way, and you'll excuse me for being an idiot here for a minute. He's going to become the Susan Moonchie of not winning a major. Why is the guy major? I can't expect ten years I haven't get one. What are we doing? Oh oh, boy, (laughs) just that. Oh boy. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do
2: it. <laughs> Hopefully he proves us wrong and he gets one. I I feel for for Rory. I tell you one thing, if he stops talking about live golf, he'll have a better shot.
4: You mean the other golf
2: league? Yeah, I mean they they already merged and you know, you may not like it but the PGA Tour made a business decision. If you can't beat them, join them.
4: Right. But um, there are a few players who say, I wouldn't play that tournament was the last tournament on Earth.
2: You know what? Well, I, I, I feel God like I hear what they're saying, but it's like, you know, hey, golf is golf. Just worry about your game. Yeah. You can't control the business aspect of that. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even worry about it. It's not like the U.S. doesn't do business with Saudi, or Saudi Arabia anyway. They just, for some reason, people make a big deal about golf. When you fill up your gas tank,
4: what well, do you think the gas from? Well, the thing from? is that, you know, we're not really, on you know, friendly terms with Saudi Arabia anyway, so that was a big controversy right from the start. You know, it's like, you know, the old thing, uh, sleeping with the enemy. And that's exactly what I think we were doing.
2: Yeah. So, you know, you know i just say – I say, you know, just play golf. Don't let it affect you. You know, you don't control it. But one thing you do control is I know this weekend you're going to have a fantastic show. What do you got cooking this weekend?
4: Well, I'll try a fantastic show. Uh, of course, we're going to discuss uh, the Women's World Cup Tournament, which is going on right now. Uh, we'll wrap up the uh, men's golf, uh, the men's um the men's, tournament, the men's Soccer Tournament, the Gold Cup, which uh, ended Sunday. Uh, it didn't end the way I wanted to. Uh, we'll, of course, uh, recap. We'll, we'll take a. We'll also, of course, um, the British Open. We'll recap. Uh, because We're also going to recap. Uh, oh, yeah, the Men's Finals at Wimbledon, which um, happened on Sunday. And we'll take a look at um, NFL training camps, because some have already begun. Some already have it. At least I think they have uh any um upcoming baseball trades because remember the trade deadline is august 1st so we'll keep an eye yeah. on that and our regular features as well the uh ridiculous time of the week uh sports trivia this week in sports history and of course where your thoughts and comments are always welcome so time as usual three, uh four to six remember to call us it, 512-543-4662 and don't forget uh youtube uh, just dial on YouTube and type in the Enhanced Sports Show, and you'll see uh, this week's show uh, posted up on the screen.
2: That's right. That's the Enhanced Sports Show. You can't miss it because you got no excuse. You got it on YouTube, the Enhanced Sports Show, from Saturday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. If you can't see them visually, you can call in 512-543-4662. Again, it's five one two five four three four six six two. The Enhanced Sports Show, yeah. starring Lou, and that's tomorrow between four and six p.m. I'm gonna be one of the callers. I hope everybody else is a caller too.
4: Oh, that's that's great to hear, Alan. Thanks.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Really appreciate you, Lou. You're the best.
4: Thanks. And of course, the jokes may continue.
0: Oh
4: boy. <laughs> Always. All right, my friend. Yeah.
2: Really appreciate you. I'm
4: surprised. It's five and a half years. I haven't gotten thrown off of that yet.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be five and a half plus, and then some more. Because you got to keep going.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I can do worse. With, of course, it's back and Roll. Where that ball is out? Are you? Are you serious? That ball is out. Oh no. <laughs>
2: Definitely. Yeah. By you know.
4: my Mack and Roll. <laughs> yeah
2: mm. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about We're going to talk uh, On, on our know. show we'll talk more We'll talk about more yeah. about tennis next week
4: Okay On that note, good
2: night Alright, have a great weekend And I'll talk to you tomorrow on your show Definitely the Lou, the Enhanced Sports Show Always great to hear from Lou Make sure you guys support him Tomorrow between 4 and 6 p.m. Saturday, Eastern Standard Time Zone So, yeah, a lot of great things going on in sports world. You know, I did touch up a little bit about this when I was talking to Lou about the NFL running backs. And, yes, for those who don't know, it was Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard. None of the three, all three had stellar years, and none of the three got a long-term deal. They all felt, you know, pretty much that they were worth more money than what was being offered I don't think there was too much of a problem with the length of the deals that were offered is just well well two part the money per year and the length of the deal no one got a long term deal. So I thought about this and kind of looked into it. Unfortunately let me start with the bad and I'll start then I'll talk about the good. Unfortunately in the NFL the NFL collectively, as teams and owners, they have made it very clear they do not want to pay big money and invest big money into running backs. You know, that's what it is. Not, this is not what my opinion is. I'll tell you my opinion a bit later. But the NFL, I repeat, has made it very clear they're not going to pay running backs a long-term deal and they're not going to pay them boatloads of money as what Lou said per year. That is, it's unfortunate fact. I feel as if the running back position, the way they look at it as it's a position that there's, it's a commodity meaning, Hey, you know, it's a little, it's a lot different than being a quarterback, but you can replace in their eyes, the NFL eyes, you can replace a very good running back, a lot easier than you can somebody who's a quarterback, and not only that they've also made it clear that once a running back gets to the age of thirty, they might give you a per year deal, maybe a two year deal max they're really stingy once you get past the age of, once you get to the age of thirty or in pass, even if you are very good. Josh Jacobs was actually my fantasy football running back, one of them. And I could and Tony Pollard. Two of the three were my fantasy football running back. So I could tell you both Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard balled out this entire year. Now Tony did get hurt towards the end of the year. And Saquon Barkley got hurt last year, but he came back and had a stellar season. Unfortunately I even heard what Emmett Smith said about this situation with the running backs now and the way that the NFL is not paying them, he didn't agree with it. You know, I didn't. I wasn't surprised his position. Unfortunately, the NFL is not going to overpay, and I, I hate to say it like this, but a lot of running backs outdo other running backs, and what ends up happening is you have a surplus. It's kind of like supply and demand. You have a surplus of talent even for the XFL before the season started coach Buckley basically said he had four running backs and he really didn't know which one to get rid of because they all were stellar running backs he really had no really had he had four guys that were very very capable of doing the position and he really was kind of like stuck it was like a flip of a coin eventually he had to cut two of them and he did so you don't you don't you can't replace a star quarterback as quickly as you can an NFL running back. And that's what the league has basically said. Saquon Barkley, you know, from what I hear, is sounding like he's gonna flex, you know, his pride and ego, as you would say, to try to get a bigger deal. A la you know, Le'Veon Bell style. And unfortunately, we all know how the story ends. This is kind of like Vegas. What Saquon Barkley is doing is rolling the dice and he's going to Vegas. He's gambling. And I unfortunately know how this story is going to end. It's kind of like watching Karate Kid. If you ask me, hey, how is this movie? How, what do you think of it? What's going to happen? I saw Karate Kid with me and my kids probably about 25, 30 times. And I know what's going to happen, what scene's going to happen, what music is going to happen. I know how the story ends. Saquon Barkley, I respect him, and I respect Le'Veon Bell for rolling the dice and trying to up the market, but this is not going to end well if Saquon Barkley does indeed hold out and tries to kind of strong arm to get a bigger contract. I don't see a positive positive result. Le'Veon Bell said many, many years later, if he could do it again, he would have just signed the extension that the Pittsburgh Steelers were giving him at the time and what it just went about his business instead of taking a year off getting less money from the jets and we all know how that story ends it's not going to end well i would say i would tell saquon barkley you cannot make business decision based on how you feel your emotion and ego because those things will steal you and also of course there's greed in there too not saying saquon's being greedy i'm just saying that that is a factor too. But a lot of it is pride and ego. Hey, I deserve more. I want more. You know, I work real hard to get back. I had a great year. I get all that. But one of the best Shark Tank investors is Kevin O'Leary. Mr. Wonderful. I don't always agree with him, but I will say one thing he does fantastic is that he never uses pride or ego or emotion to make a decision, a business decision. Because when you use, you know, feelings and emotions and things like that cloud your decision. And sometimes you miss out on a lot of great opportunities or you don't see the blessing in front of you. I would suggest to all three men, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, to go back, have the representative go back and try to negotiate the best deal they can with the team and just take the deal because you trying to negotiate for more is usually not going to end well. This story does not usually end well as Le'Veon Bell. And I thought it was a mistake back then with Le'Veon Bell holding out and at least I'll give my man credit. Many years later he admitted that he should have just taken the deal. And I feel like that's my advice to the guys. Not saying I don't understand what they're feeling how they feel but this didn't it did not surprise me that none of the guys got a deal i was expecting at least one person out of the three maybe would have gotten something but it did not surprise me that nobody was happy and nobody signed the deal because the nfl has made it clear they're not going to pay running backs especially ones that have been banged up or nicked up a lot of money i mean you got to understand somewhat where they're coming from. The running back gets the ball. Guys go ahead and tackle you. There's a lot of wear and tear on your body when you're running back. I mean, just look at the league. When you're a quarterback, Tom Brady played, he's what, 43 years old. Most quarterbacks usually play past their age of 30. That is not the case when it comes to running backs. And a lot of times owners, they look out for other owners. And what happens is they don't want the "what about that guy" type of situation. Meaning, let's say there's one guy who's really stellar running back. They say, you know what? We should hook this guy. We're gonna let our feelings be known. We're gonna overpay for him because he did the right thing. Guess what happens? Around the league, every running back will say, "Well, what about his deal? What about his deal? I want the same deal he got. I had more yards, more touches, more catches, more more per." per carry than such and such i deserve that same type of deal this is the reason why they don't also want to overpay because they don't want the what about that guy deal you know they don't want to start raising the bar i would say just reconsider take the deal getting paid 12 13 million or 14 million a year is a lot better than taking a year off or missing out 13 thirteen, fourteen million dollars a year you know this is how it is one comment i read a lot of comments of what people said online the only comment i would agree with not not the only one but one that really resonated with me was that this happens in the real world and that is true in the real world you know i'll use myself as an example you know i've been a you know top performing agent for many 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 years and As a top-performing agent, not only did I produce the most and the best out of everyone working there, other agents used to look at my performance, and it boosted their performance too. So it's like if a person would really be lazy and not really want to work, they would watch me or be in my team and say, okay, I can't make this guy look so much better than me. I got to put in some work. So – even though my numbers didn't go into what they were doing, I was a barometer to their performance. And a lot of times I felt, even though I was getting paid well, a lot of times I felt as if I was underpaid because not only was I the top performer for many years and also, you know, doing things right in and outside the business, other people's performance was doing a lot better. I was motivating indirectly other people. And their numbers weren't being counted in, but as a business, you know, you're like, hey, I'm increasing their performance, maybe 10, 15, 20%. You know, it'd be nice if you took care of me. You know, I I have those feeling, feelings. I'm sure the guys have. Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley and Tony Pollard. But the reality is this happens quite often. And I couldn't go to my bosses and, and really strong on them for a bigger deal. I could have. But I knew that it was gonna be for naught. So I, it's no sense going through all that drama, hurting your feelings, doing all that, and missing out on opportunities, and having that distraction on your back when it's not really gonna amount to a bigger deal. So at the end of the day, I would suggest I feel where you're coming from, all the running backs, Evan Smith, but I would suggest just go back and ask him what's the very best deal we can have and try to make this deal happen before training camp because the longer it goes without you on the field, people kind of get used to seeing you without you on the field and it doesn't usually end well. So with that being said, one person did get a deal. He wasn't a running back, but he's wide receiving as DeAndre Hopkins. He appears to have signed in principle or, you know, going to finalize his deal with the Tennessee Titans, so props DeAndre Hopkins on landing his new deal. You know, this is a a great move for DeAndre Hopkins. I really do feel you know, I knew that when he was going to go to the Patriots, they were going to give a pretty decent offer, but I knew that the the Patriots weren't going to blow him away with an offer. They pretty much matched what the Tennessee Titans were going to do for the first year, but it was more incentive latent versus Tennessee Titans where we're going to give you a lot of this money guaranteed and upfront. He had a potential of making pretty much about the same for the Patriots, but it was going to be more incentive type of contract. And also Tennessee was giving it for two years. So it was a stronger contract for DeAndre Hopkins And from a business standpoint, I kind of agree with what DeAndre Hopkins did. I mean, the Tennessee Titans are actually a very good team. They're up and coming. They have Derrick Henry back there. I feel as if with another piece or two, they can actually go pretty good and do really well and get a lot deeper in the playoffs. So I feel as if they're closer to excavating, elevating himself all the way up to Deep into the playoffs, more so than the Patriots. So I I love this deal for DeAndre Hopkins. I think he made the right move. It was smart of him to at least get another option because I thought he was really set on playing for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And it really didn't matter what any other offer was out there. Apparently it did. So props to DeAndre Hopkins. He took a, a great deal for him for him to have played for the Cardinals off a really sweet deal with them and then, you know, miss half the season. Well, not half, I would say, you know, 40% of the season. And to come back, get a deal with the Tennessee Titans two years, you know what, that's 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 boss move. And that's where the league is headed. They'll pay a wide receiver more than they will a running back. And, you know, because, you know, wide receivers can play longer in their career. So props to DeAndre Hopkins for landing a sweet deal with the Tennessee Titans. I'm curious to see how he does. And being that he's going to be the number one receiver, this guy's a baller. So I I don't expect anything but greatness from DeAndre Hopkins. So props to him. And we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to go ahead and talk about golf as well as some boxing. I'll discuss some ways to get some autographs, the do's and don'ts. I'll share my thoughts on visiting Charlotte, North Carolina, what you can expect to see as a sports fan, what things you should go check out as a sports fan, and a lot more, give you some boxing insight. We're going to do a lot of great things. We're going to take a little quick little break, play a great sweet song by Sam Scola. He's our musician, songwriter, so we're going to play the sports team by Sam Scola. Thank you so much, Sam Scola, for being a great supporter of the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. Really appreciate yourself as well as your wife, Mary. You guys are awesome. Also wanted to go ahead and let you guys, invite you guys that if you really want to sign a great artist, want to go ahead and get that guy on your team that can bring you to the next level, and sign up to a big-time contract. I know one person is open to it, and his name is Sam Scola from Maine. Reach out to me here on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show, and I'll put you in connection with Sam Scola and Mary. We need great talent to be locked down, so we're going to go ahead and play one of Sam Scola's sports-themed songs. We're going to take a little break, and we're going to come right back at the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. Sam Scola from Maine. Please, thank you so much. Really appreciate you, Sam Scola and Mary. Reach out to me when you want to go ahead and get that great deal. We're going to connect you to Sam Scola, folks. So thank you, Sam Scola, for that great sports theme song. We're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about Roy McElroy and Steph Curry, both of them winning golf tournaments this past week. Roy McElroy won the Genesis Scottish Open. Steph Curry won Celebrity golf tournament. There was questions this week. Which one's more significant and why? Well, let me just say this first of all. Steph Curry was boss. I mean, my man was boss. I know it was a celebrity golf tournament, but you hit a hole in one during a tournament, and he hit an eagle to close the show out. That's that's big time, boss. Boss move. In fact, that deserves a round of applause. When you hit a hole-in-one at tournament play, that's fantastic. And then the close the show on the eagle, golfers playing in tournaments would love that. So that was boss move. But, you know, Roy McElroy would still, <laughs> still get the cake because Roy Morakimori won the Genesis, got open. And guess what, folks? Who did I say was going to win the tournament last week? I told you guys. Rory McElroy was going to win the Genesis Scottish Open and who won it? Rory McElroy. right on the money with the prediction and you know he did it he did it in tournament play and this was a pro level tournament it wasn't a major but hey for you to win the Genesis Scottish Open that's boss move super boss because it's a Lynx course, and the reason why I felt Rory's going to do well because it's a course that doesn't have a lot of trees. It's a you know straightaway course. If you do have you have great driver play, you could keep it in the fairway, and if you're very good with your irons, you know hitting it straight ahead, and you know you don't have a lot of water to deal with. I felt Rory was going to do well in that type of course. Because he can he can definitely hit that driver, and he could hit, you know, even though it's a long course, Roy could basically put himself in a position to birdie most of those holes. And not that, he, you know, he closed out the show to birdie the last two. But I just felt as if he was going to be tough to beat with that type of golf course. You know, guys were hitting it well as far as, well, I would say this, guys were not driving it as well as they normally could. You know, there were some guys who did hit it, you know, in the 300-yard range, but they wasn't hitting a fair way. The guys who normally hit over three was hitting under three. With the wind and conditions, Roy was still staying steady, hitting it well and hitting it in a fair way. And then he could hit a great iron shot from 160, 170 yards out. So I felt as if he was going to do well, and he did. So congratulations to Roy McElroy on his big win and Genesis got us open yeah they both were great great achievements fantastic achievements but because Rory did it in a pro golf tournament you're gonna have to give him the edge a lot more pressure a lot stiffer competition and you know when you're playing celebrity golf tournaments there's a few guys that can play pretty good there's some that can, most of them are all right quite a few of them you know, you kinda you close your eyes when they shoot. That's not happening when it's pro level. Everybody and everybody on the golf course can win that tournament. And they usually they're a pro golfer. They're they have already been vetted to be very, very good. There is nobody that's just, you know, just coming along, signing, you know, having fun times when you're dealing with celebrity golf tournament. I know Steph is up serious about his golf, but I'm just saying there is no, let's say 20 to 25 percent just coming along for the ride, maybe 25 percent is decent, and maybe 25 percent is actually pretty good. When you're playing pro golf tournament, everybody you're assuming is very very good. So, pro golf tournament would have the edge. A hole in one and hitting the eagle or close out the show and winning anything in golf is an achievement. So, one thing that did happen. Patrick Mahomes during a golf tournament, you know, his father was asking, you know, his son was asked for an autograph. Father was trying to egg Patrick Mahomes to go ahead and sign for him during a Lake Tahoe celebrity golf tournament. And Patrick Mahomes basically said no. He goes, well, you can make one kid happy. And he said, well, I'll make 99 sad. That's what Patrick Mahomes said. And who was right? Well, let me just tell you this much. I've gotten, fortunately, hundreds and hundreds of autographs and everything that that father did was a no, no, no. Okay? First and foremost, when it comes to autographs, let me tell you from somebody who's gotten hundreds and hundreds of autographs, male, females, celebrities, athletes, you name it. When it comes to autographs, there are some ethics that you need to show and have, okay? Take some notes if you need to, because this is real talk, okay? When it comes to autographs, first and foremost, you are not owed an autograph. You can wait for a guy for 10 minutes, 10 seconds, 10 hours. It's like fishing. You are not owed an autograph. You know, I've gotten a bunch, a ton of autographs, but I've also been turned down for some. Some guys have, or females, have contracts. They're not allowed to sign for whatever reason. Some have contracts and will only sign certain things. Some won't sign, and a lot of them won't sign because of a few different outside influences. Number one, some won't sign because they meet people like this dad, and they get turned off. Some won't sign because the security that they're with informs them not to sign and tells them not to sign, even if they want to sign. And I've had that happen before. I've had athletes who was more than willing to sign autographs, but security was trying to force them not to sign it. Sometimes the people that you're with will tell you not to sign. And that's a fact. You know, sometimes like, let's say you're a special guest and you're an athlete and you show up to a venue to make an appearance one time you know there was i won't mention the person but they were being so gracious and signing autographs on their way to their next destination in that venue and the security you could hear them saying please stop signing autographs it wasn't even him it was them sometimes it's the people you're with you know and now that i work in the media i've had athletes who said, you know, I'm just signing autographs today. I'm not giving any interviews. Fortunately for me, I was an autograph seeker, but now I'm on the other side of the fence working in media. I can be denied an interview, and an autograph seeker might get an autograph. You understand? You're not owed anything is the point. You're not owed anything, number one. And number two, in order for you to get respect, you got to give respect. You know, just because he didn't sign right at that very moment that you wanted it doesn't mean he wasn't going to sign it for the rest of the event. He was instructed, and this is a fact, by security to stop signing autographs because he was holding up play. Patrick Mahomes signing during a golf tournament in between holes is actually very, very nice. You know, I've had golfers who said, all right guys, I'm not gonna sign during the event. I will sign at the end. So you basically had to wait till they finish their eighteen holes and we're done. I've had golfers saying, you know, hey guys, you're gonna have to get me on the back nine or in between you know, they'll they'll determine the times and you gotta respect that, you know. Number two, he had his camera out trying to cause drama. I've never asked for an autograph or picture with my camera in someone's face never never just don't do it that way ask politely if they say no say hey no problem maybe we'll you know maybe i'll get it later or or no worries or, you know don't make it sound or seem like it's affecting you that much i had a buddy of mine who used to go out sometimes and get the autographs with me and when the the person used to tell them no they used to feel a sense of rejection and want to automatically say something snippy and say something rude back. And I had to coach him and say, Hey, you can't do that because you give autograph seeking a bad name. And just because someone doesn't sign an autograph for you right at that moment or at that time, doesn't mean they won't sign it later, later that day or later in another better time, or they might sign it in a couple days for you. No, doesn't necessarily mean no forever, so you don't want to give a bad impression. Remember, you're asking for an autograph. It's supposed to appear, and they're supposed to be somebody you respect and admire. You don't treat them as a sense of entitlement that, oh, I didn't get an autograph. Now I'm going to treat you like a jerk. No, it doesn't work that way. Dad was totally wrong, totally out of place. And I'm a, an all-pro dad, and, and I can tell you the way he went about it was wrong, totally wrong. And it shows the way he went about it, it's what the problem in society is a sense of entitlement. You want to create drama by having your camera phone out. Hey, I'm putting this guy on blast because he didn't sign right then and there. He was instructed not to sign. He was in between rounds. He was ready to hit a shot. You were being rude for asking him right at that moment. You know, when he's taking a little break, he's standing by the line, you know, where, where the, the rope off line is. Hey, you know, where he's just kind of gabbing, he's waiting for someone shot. Hey, you mind sign this real quick while you're waiting. You know, you could ask in a nice way. You don't have to try to create drama. And you and it sound it came across to me like you were just trying to hawk something on ebay anyway. You using your your kid as a pawn. That's the way it came across. And that's how a lot of dealers do. They don't treat the person with respect. The person doesn't sign. And that's what kills Guys, you know, guys and girls from getting autographs is because they run into this situation three, four, five, six, seven times in a, in a row back to back to back and like, you know what? I'm not signing it for today. You know, screw it. I signed like 100 before this guy and then this guy wants to be 101. I say, no, then he's got an issue. Be a class act and show respect and you'll get a lot of autographs. That's how it works. You know, people used to love signing autographs for me. You know, I'll talk to you more about this in the future, about autograph seeking. This was a no-no. Ask for respect and use the word please, man. Please have your autograph or I'm a big fan, man. Please have a picture. Use the word please. Say thank you. And then if you do get it, the cool thing about nowadays, you can post a picture. Let's say you get a picture of you and Patrick Mahomes. Man, it was so cool that Patrick Mahomes went ahead and took a picture of me and my son Here's a picture. Tag him in it, and you never know. You might get a response. You know, but don't go with your camera. Hey, hey, you can make me happy, and forget the ninety-nine others. Come on, man. It's that's self, self entitlement. Thinking you're better than everyone else. There's other people at that tournament. I'm sure one is autographed. You were not the only one, and the guy was signing. You missed it, and he probably would have signed later. You you were basically asking why he was about to tee up. Come on now. That's just golf, golf etiquette and autograph etiquette was a no. So I don't feel bad. You didn't get it. You just didn't deserve it. And speaking of autographs, I went ahead and had a fantastic week in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. The city of Charlotte, North Carolina in my view deserves a standing ovation. Yeah, it was awesome. It truly was. And you know what? I did a lot during the week. A lot, not just in sports. I saw a lot, did a lot. I was glad that I left a couple things left just because now if I when I go back, I have something to do because I could have kind of scooped up everything. But I said sometimes it's, uh, it's good to leave someone a plate so you come back and get some seconds. So first and foremost, a place you need to definitely go is the Hendrick Motorsports Museum. It is fantastic. It is a fantastic place. You know, Hendrick, props to Hendrick Motorsports. The cool thing about that is that you can go there and – you know, it's it was cool because you know, it was highly recommended. It was free, but besides it being free, man, it had a lot to offer. It had a lot of great cars. It had the confetti on the cars, which is really cool. It had trophies of wins that they've won. They had cars there that you know, of the actual track and wins of not just NASCAR but other places. And not only that, they had a really, really cool gift shop. So not only can you buy, you know, shirts and things like that, you know, the normal souvenir shop stuff, but you could also buy car parts, you know, like unique things, which is really cool. It was a fantastic place. I definitely highly recommend you go see Hendrix Motorsports. I went ahead and checked out Bank of America Stadium. I wasn't able to go in because there was no game, nothing going on. And I'm glad I went during the week because there was a concert at the weekend and traffic was really crazy. So it was good that I took advantage of it while I was down there and it looked really cool. And not only that, there was a, there was also freedom park, which also did have a little Carolina Panther, really cool playground. You know, you could go ahead, if you wanted to practice on football drills, you know, 40 yard dash, you had, A lot of different training attributes there the kids loved it and there were so many cool things to see i left and also went to to charlotte drove by the charlotte you know also racetrack which was really really cool you know and it kind of got my juices pumped up so that you you might see me go ahead and see us go ahead and cover a race in charlotte you know I was going to go to the NASCAR Hall of Fame, but I said, you know what, let me leave it off on purpose so that I can kind of prepare a little bit better and go there at another time where I'll go ahead and get an interview and do that. You know, I didn't come there to kind of work per se because I was on vacation, but I said to myself, you know what, if I come back to Charlotte, I'll do things right and go to NASCAR Hall of Fame, go ahead and interview someone while I'm there And I didn't put in a request soon enough because it really was something I kind of was thinking about doing on a fly. And I said, maybe I should kind of plan this one out. (laughs) So I left that on the table for the future. But yeah, Charlotte, North Carolina is a great, great place. We had, you know, we, we've had some great interactions, great time there. And, And, you know, it was something that I recommend that you guys go ahead and visit Charlotte you're a sports fan, you won't be disappointed. And I really think that you're going to enjoy it. You should go ahead and check it out. So much, So many things to see. I think for sure, one of the things that I had learned by going out there, having a great time, is one of the cool things about Charlotte is that Interesting things I should say about Charlotte is that we had Rick Curdy, the CEO and founder of Charlotte Bats, who wants a major league baseball team in Charlotte. After going to Charlotte, North Carolina and spending a week there, they really should have a major league team. You know, they have the Charlotte Knights, which is a triple A team and it's a really nice stadium. But I feel as if with the infrastructure that there's there already now, it's growing. There's a lot of pockets in there where people, you know, have some money. It's not like they could not financially support a Major League Baseball team. I think the biggest thing is location of where they would put it. Maybe not too far from Charlotte Speedway would be a good place. So it's kind of near something. I think downtown would be a little, I don't know if there's enough space there downtown. I could be wrong. I know that you probably don't want to have it too close to where the Charlotte Knights are, but I would, I would vote that the the Charlotte bats, they should have a major league baseball team. That's the interesting thing about Charlotte is they do not have a major league baseball team. They do have football, the NFL, the Carolina Panthers, but no, no, Major League Baseball. So I would vote for it. I think it would be a great city to have Major League Baseball. There's a lot of great things that was happening there. You know, we went and seen Reed's gold mine, which is the actual gold mine. So there's a lot of great things to do in Charlotte. You know, we went to go see Billy Graham's library. So there was an influx of things to do and see in Charlotte. I do think one of the things that would even blow it out the water would be to have a Major League Baseball team. I do think there's enough there to support a major league baseball team. I would say maybe not too far from the Charlotte Speedway would probably be a good place, but logistically, if they find the right place, I think it would be awesome. So props again to Charlotte, Rick Curdy, Charlotte Bats. Yeah, that's going to be a great thing for them for them to do and see, to have Major League Baseball there in Charlotte. And a lot of great things happening in the sports world. I did get a chance to watch Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence, the All Access Parts 1 and 2. And... It's interesting that, you know, every single minute detail is being scrutinized and, you know, well it should be, the mega fight and there's a lot going on online. I feel as if this is a fight where whoever does not win has a lot to lose. I I would say that, you know, nobody wants to lose, but I'm hoping that this fight does does clear winner, whether that winner and no controversy. A winner with no controversy, clear cut. Meaning even if it's the person who I didn't choose, I chose the other person to win, I still want a clear cut, non controversial winner. That's what I'm asking for. Give me a win, a win is a win is a win from whoever wins. May the best man win. No controversy and please no draw. You know. I want to see somebody win this fight, whoever it is, whether it's my guy that I choose or not, I want to see somebody clearly win this fight. So, you know, what I did take away from watching All Access Part 1 and 2 is not only is every single minute detail being scrutinized, it should be, you know, a mega fight. And to it, I'm hoping that it still carries that same weight and has that momentum into the fight night. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, people are hyped about the fact that this fight was signed, but I hope that this fight does bring a lot of boxing fans, but I hope it it actually does like Mayweather as well as Manny Pacquiao and does bring some casuals. I hate to use the word casual, but I hope it does bring somebody who – really doesn't know a lot about boxing and kind of introduces them to watch the fight as well. So, and we will see. I don't feel as if it's going to be a a mega fight as far as sales, like Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather. I hate to be the bear bad news. I I feel like it's going to do well, but I don't think it's going to be up to that level. It's just that boxing fans really know about this fight. People who are really into the boxing world, One of the things that Manny Pacquiao, I'm sorry, Mayweather and McGregor did well is they brought in people who didn't know a lot about boxing or MMA in, and that really made it into a big-ticket item-selling fight. So I think this is going to get a lot of interested boxing fans, but we'll see if the Cavs will show up. My takeaway from watching All Access 1 and 2 is is pretty much about the same. I, I still have Terrence Crawford winning this fight. I just think it's pretty clear to me who's going to win this fight. It's not that Errol Spence isn't the bigger guy, isn't the strong guy, and he's a very talented boxer. He puts in a lot of hard work. He trains real hard. He wants to win. But I just feel as if I haven't wavered on my my prediction since this fight was announced. And the reason why is because I feel as if you could prepare for the simple fact, you could prepare to fight a guy like Errol Spence and beat him a lot easier. Now, I wouldn't say a lot easier, but easier than you can a guy like Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford is a tough guy to kind of game plan for. And Errol kind of, you know, if you listen carefully and you watch these all access and interviews They'll kind of give you like a little hint, but it'll be a glaring hint. Errol Spence did say during the all-access, I don't believe if – I believe it was part two. He did say, I'm really not sure what Terrence Crawford is going to do. And that's glaring because that's what Terrence Crawford does. He, he It's hard for you to prepare for him because you don't know what he's going to do. He could come in and start on softball. He could start up on orthodox. He could do it in the middle of a fight, which I predict he will. He could kind of switch it in and on and off in in rounds. he could do one round this he's very very hard to predict, whereas arrows pretty much know what you're going to get you're going to get a lot of jabs he's going to press you he's very good at punching you to the face and body. you know his diversity of up or down is very good, but I feel like you can kind of counter punch a lot better you can kind of predict that he's fun to, he's not really very elusive and different, he just comes right at you. And usually box that come right at Crawford, we have seen, I know they weren't Errol, don't usually end well. Another thing that kind of did kind of stick out to me was the fact that I do believe Errol with those those eye surgeries and the car accident did do a bit more wear on him than he's kind of letting out. Even during the all acts, I kind of felt as if those, those accidents those two accidents and the eye injury is going to be something that will make a difference. And you might say, what's that matter? He's healed and everything. Well, you know, I would question if he's wearing glasses out of necessity or the glass are just kind of like for look, I feel as if those glasses are for necessity. And when you box, of course you can't have them. And it might be a, a minute detail, but when you're fighting a guy as great as Terrence Crawford, you have to kind of shore up every single detail because that little split second or, you know, of hesitation or miss sight or misjudgment from your eyesight, you know, it's going to make a difference. And also a couple things, you know, he's he's kind of insecure about his, you know, his, his <laughs> mouthpiece falling out if it's his mouthpiece and his teeth and then he's also you know he's he's got the eye retina issue that always has to be a concern no matter whether you're fighting terrence or whoever i feel as if these things are going to play a factor playing against a guy like terrence crawford the guy's elite you know he's elite and he kind of has like that mayweather type of vibe a little bit where he's just hard to game plan against and when he's not only is it hard to game plan against a lot of times you just don't know it's like you've been trained a certain way it's just hard for you to make adjustments on the fly when you deal with a guy like terrence and terrence crawford can do that that's what makes him special he can make adjustments on a fly that's one of the things that mayweather could do he could kind of see what you're doing make adjustments during a fight and be effective adjustments. And not a lot of guys can do that. It makes them very special, unique. I feel as if Terrence Crawford is going to win this fight. I feel as if he's going to win round after round after round. I feel like Errol might win two, maybe three rounds tops. But I feel as if Terrence is going to win almost every round. I feel as if Errol is going to get hurt a couple times. And he might even get knocked down. I don't think he's going to be knocked out a TKO. But I think... I think I wouldn't be surprised if he gets knocked down at least. So we will see. I will let you know that here at the Allen Alfred Talk show, we will not be, unfortunately, covering the fight. I did let you guys know I put in a request for that. We, unfortunately, did not get approval. Can't really say I'm really shocked on that just because it is a big-time mega fight. Typically, what happens with these type of situations is usually the bigger Outlets get it and people who actually cover boxing exclusively or more often typically get those type of passes. I will continue to keep grinding and keep putting out for more venues, more events, still working on getting access to the Tampa Rays and the New York Yankees. You know, things happen in due season, due time. One thing about life is you can't give up. You got to keep grinding out there because you never know when your opportunity comes. And when your opportunity does come, you got to shine. Just like Eminem said, you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. In one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? You got to go ahead and seize that opportunity. And I'll even share you something that's a lot shorter and sweeter. You know, my Good friend. <laughs> you know, he said, <laughs> you know, he, he he did say Luigi from Sabaro, the chef Luigi at Sabaro, great place to eat. He once told me, Alan, you got to eat the spaghetti while it's hot, not while it's cold. So you got to take advantage of the opportunity when it's there. Got to eat while it's hot, not while it's cold. They may not be there forever, but we're gonna keep grinding here at the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. Really appreciate all of you. You know, it was a lot of love shown when I posted up the pictures from the Charlotte, North Carolina trip. That I went ahead and had a great time. A lot of love from a lot of a lot of you guys. I really appreciate all of your and you know, your likes, your comments, views. really appreciate it. Yeah, so you guys are so kind and, and really appreciate that. And, you know, this month is is coming to an end real soon. I can't believe July is coming to an end. Boy, you know, it'll be back to school and it's really moving quick. So enjoy the last few weeks of the summer. We have a special guest coming on next Friday. Another great special guest, I should say, coming on next Friday. I will not spoil the surprise just yet. During the week, I will let you guys know. A lot of great things are in the works for the Allen out for sports like show. I will also let you know and keep you an updated on that as well during the week. Don't want to spoil surprises. And you definitely don't want to spoil your blessings. You know, thank God for giving me the opportunity to do the Allen out for sports like show and the motivation. You guys give me the motivation too. Let me give you this special phone number. 516-418-5572. Definitely, that's a number you can hold on to. Save it. If there's any topic you ever want to chime in, talk to me about, just dial in. We'll try to get you on the air on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. And that's something that you can hold on to for the future because this, this week's show is winding down, and... Wanted to let you guys know that we're going to go ahead and have quite a few things happening in August. I'll keep you posted on that as well. But, you know, one thing that is always a constant, even though the 4th of July has passed, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce always rings true. So definitely want to thank our great sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. All four flavors are delicious. He's got also now, hey, he's got, You know, he's got the sand, Florida sand, and he's got the great rub now. So, you know, definitely you got to go ahead and check that out. All four flavors are fantastic. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. Make sure you check out Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. They are at flbbqsauce.com. Again, that's flbbqsauce.com. Get yourself four-pack. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Just go ahead and go right now, flbbqsauce.com. In fact, we're going to go ahead and play another fantastic Sam Scola song. It's a Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song, sang by none other than Sam Scola, all of, all the way from Maine. Really appreciate Sam Scola and his wife, Mary. So definitely, here's a Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song.
1: For variety, Chef cheese, Florida barbecue sauce, a natural flavor, Chef cheese, Florida barbecue sauce, Florida gold honey mustard on burgers and Florida barbecue sauce, serve on fish and vegetables, chef cheese, Florida barbecue sauce, chef cheese, Florida barbecue sauce, chef Chef cheese, Florida barbecue sauce.
2: Right. That's G's Florida barbecue sauce. So delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. Check it out at flbbqsauce.com. flbbqsauce.com. Really appreciate Sam Skola and that great tune. Definitely with you wanting to go ahead and connect with Sam Skola from Maine, please reach out to me here at Alan Alford's Sports Talk Show. I will go ahead and make sure you get connected with Sam Skola and his great wife, Mary so that you can sign him to a big contract. Really appreciate Sam Scola. He's, a, he's he's definitely an original. He's number one. Really appreciate Sam Scola. So, yes, in fact, this is going to bring us to the end of the Allen Alfred Sportsbook Show for Friday, July 21st, 2023. We'll be back again next Friday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. We'll have another great special guest. I'll let you guys know who that's going to be during the week. But make sure you guys stay blessed, stay well, look out for yourself, but more importantly, look out for somebody else so that they can be blessed and you can be blessed too. Have a great week, everybody, great weekend. Stay safe. Stay out of that heat too long. Make sure you drink liquids. And I'll see you again next Friday. Really appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. Thank you, David Himes, for being our special guest, for joining us here. And also, thank you, Sam Scola, for the great songs, as well as our great caller, Lou. Really appreciate Lou for calling in. So thank you, Lou. Thank you, David Himes. You guys are awesome. And thank you, Chef G's Florida, Sauce. This end of the show outro is by Sam Scola. Again, you guys need to go ahead and reach out to me about Sam Scola Really appreciate Sam Skola and Mary. You guys have a great weekend. Take care. Be blessed. Be well. I'll see you again.